National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. Happy 4th of July. As we prepare for Independence Day, let's do some trivia on Catholic connections in the American Revolution. Register writer Joseph Pronishin has the facts about some of the unsung Catholic heroes who made their mark at our nation's beginnings. But first, we look at important church news in the U.S. this week. Register Editor-in-Chief Shannon Mullen discusses the Vatican's apostolic visitation of Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and your host here on Register Radio. I'm joined by Matthew Bunsen, who has a new title. He's now EWTN News' Vice President and Editorial Director. Hey, Matthew. Great to be with you. So your new duties must have kept you away from me because you haven't been on the show lately. (laughs) My my apologies to everyone. (laughs) That's okay. It's all right. Um, Important work. So the news broke uh, last weekend, June 24th, that the Vatican had conducted an apostolic visitation of Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas. It's uh, Tyler is the eastern part of Texas. EWTN News was able to actually confirm the news reports. We heard a lot of news reports, but we were able to confirm it uh, through a confidential source within the diocese the next day on June 25th. Shannon Mullen led us in that coverage along with Jonathan Liedel. And uh, Shannon joins us now, and I I do want to note, Shannon is the editor-in-chief of the Register, but he's acting editor-in-chief still of CNA. So, Shannon, thanks for being with us. Pleasure to be here. So, Shannon, uh, Bishop Bishop Strickland has has been, you know, uh, in in lots of news stories over the years uh, since you've been at the at uh, Catholic News Agency. He's he's very popular um, in the U.S. Church. uh, especially in some pockets <laughs> of Catholics. Uh, he's viewed as a culture war champion by many U.S. conservatives because he's staunchly defended the unborn, marriage, the traditional liturgy, and, and really Catholic or- orthodoxy all around. Um, by some people, he's called a firebrand, <laughs> um, and he's caused some concern. What do we know about the apostolic investigation at this point in time? Well, as you mentioned in the lead-in, we know it's been completed, so it's not ongoing. Uh, The priests and others within the diocese, uh, including Bishop Strickland himself, were interviewed. So that part of the process is over, uh, number one. Uh, We also know that uh, among the topics uh, that uh, were were, discussed People were questioned about was uh, the included the bishop's use of social media, and also questions related to diocesan management. Um, I guess the other thing that we know is that it, it does come on the heels of a controversial uh, tweet uh, by Bishop Strickland on May the twelfth, uh, in which he uh, suggested that Pope Francis was, quote, undermining the deposit of faith, and that, but we don't know if that has any bearing on, on this inquiry whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It also, we should note, comes on the heels of um, the bishop's participation in a Eucharistic procession and prayer rally in Los Angeles on June 16th, and that was um, to kind of to protest the um, Los Angeles Dodgers for their honoring of the anti-Catholic drag group, the um, so-called 
Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And, and that was a little odd by some church watchers that, you know, he was participating, a bishop from another diocese participating in um, something in uh, Archbishop Gomez's diocese. And, and so that, yeah, some speculate that could be a part of it too. But I I don't know. I don't think that uh, rises to the occasion, but we'll see um, what comes out over time. I, I think... Oh, that's a really good question, is what will come out of this? Um, Matthew, yeah. I, I wanted to bring you in, I mean, as a historian, um, as somebody who helps us get our bearings on what processes take place in the church, <laughs> can you describe for us what an apostolic visitation is, how, how it's conducted? Well, the, the best uh, description of it was actually provided by the, the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, and it talks about uh, that a, a visitation is not, uh, it, they go to some pains to note, an investigation, but it's what's described as an exceptional initiative of the Holy See, and it usually involves uh, the appointment of an apostolic representative, uh, a, a visitator, uh, and one or more. Uh, we and we know have, who those are in this case. Yes, we do. We know that uh, it's uh, Bishop Emeritus Cicanus, uh and then Bishop Sullivan, I believe, of, of Camden. Uh, so you can have a number of uh, apostolic visitators. Uh, in this case, uh, whatever reason, the Congregation for Bishops, or the Dicastery for Bishops, chose these two. Uh, and they will arrive. Uh, the bishop is usually informed, uh, or as we have seen elsewhere in the history of the recent history of the church, we had uh, visitations, for example, of um, the religious communities, uh, especially in the United States. And from that standpoint, you have uh, a fairly free hand to investigate as you need to. And they can interview a variety of individuals um, and then. At the conclusion of it, uh, at some point, they will draft a report that is then submitted. The mystery then is what follows, because we know that there have been a number of visitations, canonical visitations, apostolic visitations that uh, did not result in resignations. We have seen, however, that there have been others in recent history that have. Uh, I think, uh, for example, of Bishop Daniel Fernandez Torres of uh, Arecibo in Puerto Rico, uh, who had an apostolic visitation, and he was uh, subsequently removed, and that visitation was by a very prominent individual, and that's uh, Chicago's uh, Cardinal Blaise Supich. So mm -hmm. it, a visitation can take a variety of different shapes uh, and different outcomes. Right, right. Shannon, you, you wrote in the story uh, that you and Jonathan penned that this is... Um, you know, this was uh, rare for a U.S. diocese, but not unprecedented, um, such a, an apostolic visitation. So can you tell us about some of the other investigations of this kind in the U.S.? Yes. Uh, well, we just this week, so it's been a busy week in Catholic News, uh, we had the resignation of Bishop Rick Sticka of the Diocese of Knoxville, Tennessee, who was reportedly um, uh, the the subject of a inquiry apostolic visitation, uh, and he was uh, best focused on alleged mismanagement within the diocese. Uh, he also is party to a lawsuit uh, that was filed last year. So uh, that's one uh, instance. There's there's also been um, here in the United States in, in Buffalo. Uh, Pope Francis accepted an early retirement of uh, Bishop Richard Malone uh, in 2019, um, and that uh, followed a apostolic visitation. 
know, there's absolutely. You know, and I think what um, a year before that, uh, there was also the Diocese of Memphis had a visitation, right. and um, so there have been that they're not common, but they're not unheard of. Right, exactly. I mean, there have been a handful, maybe five, um, since I've been uh, involved in in this part of Catholic news in the last uh, ten years or so, and. And you guys have pretty much mentioned um, all of those, including the one of the religious sisters in the U.S. There was one of seminary uh, of seminaries as well right. in the last decade or so. Um, so it isn't unheard of. And, and sometimes the decisions, the outcomes take a long time, and sometimes you never hear of anything. In the case of this, the seminaries, there was um, some report and some material that came out to, to help seminaries uh, reshape their formation. With the sisters, it was, you know, there was also um, information that came out. But, for example, with um, uh, Stika, it, it took, I think it was in November that that uh, investigation uh, or inquiry reportedly took place. And so it was many months before he retired this week, right? So it's it can take a long time for these decisions to, to come down. Um, it's, a, it's a deliberative process that takes a while. And uh, interesting, too, of, uh, mm-hmm. that there was one apostolic visitation that didn't happen, uh, and that was in 2018 in the wake of the McCarrick uh, scandal. Mm, very many, true. many questions were raised at the time that there were actually expectations were raised uh, that there would be one, but it never actually materialized, even though we did end up with uh, the, the rather fulsome uh, effort on the part of the Vatican uh, to guide the story with the now almost infamous uh, McCarrick report. Right, and Matthew, that's a really great point because some of the criticism I've seen in comments and things like that on articles or in tweets has been, you know, these kind of apostolic visitations sometimes seem to lose their credibility because of how selective they are. Um, some people don't have them when you think they should, <laughs> you know, and, and so we right. just don't understand, you know. Um, we really don't understand um, in some ways the, the, the rationale behind this yet. I did want to point out, though, um, that the diocese, um, you know, while things like mismanagement was raised or as a, as a subject of the discussions, of the questions, and, and also social media, uh, Shannon, the, you know, he's known for his social media, being outspoken, you know, uh, he talks a lot about politics and church teaching, and, but he's also really evangelical. Uh, he's developed quite a reputation in his own diocese for his evangelical way. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the the Diocese of Tyler? Yeah, it's an interesting place. I think um, uh, I'm not alone that I needed to consult a map to to know where Tyler, Texas (laughs) was was located. And uh, as you said, it's in East Texas, northeast corner of Texas. And it's not really um, a heavily Catholic uh, area. I've, I've seen numbers like maybe 55,000 Catholics in the diocese. Uh, and yet there's, you know, been a number of figures and groups who have been drawn to that diocese, um, I think, because, you know, as you said, Strickland's a, sort of a, a, a charismatic fellow, and um, so they, uh, these different people and initiatives, uh, have, have kind of used Tyler, Texas, of all places, as sort of a beachhead. Right. Yeah, the story that um, CNA published has uh, says that 21 men are in priestly formation and there are only 55,000 Catholics. So that's um, pretty impressive. 
Um, but the story also does speak, um, you know, there was in 2018 the resignation of three diocesan officials, uh, you know, at one time, and that was a noteworthy thing that sometimes can mean there's, you, you know, something under underlying um, when diocesan officials go flock in, you know, leave in flocks. But, but we don't know, and hopefully we will find out at some point in time um, what, you know, what's been going on. Um, but uh, uh, Shannon and I also found it strange this week. I think um, earlier today I looked and I had already seen three tweets already um, in midday from <laughs> Bishop Strickland. <laughs> he has not slowed down <laughs> from his social media posting. No, not at all. You know, um, I, I, I'm not a big tweeter myself. Um, I think, uh, especially when you're getting into U.S. politics or church affairs, I mean, uh, 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 Twitter is sort of like a, a white walk, a whitewater kayaking trip. <laughs> it's, it's pretty rocky. That's why most of us are content to kind of watch from the sidelines. But uh, Strickland uh, just kind of cannonballs right in there. And uh, so he's kept that up, even with uh, the news of this visitation. Yeah. Matthew, do you have any closing comments before we turn to uh, maybe a happier subject? Yeah, I, I think uh, let's uh, keep Bishop Strickland in our prayers. Uh, this is not an easy situation for any uh, sitting bishop uh, anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and we always say that uh, we have to keep all of our bishops in prayers. I know uh, we were covering the bishops meeting uh, just last week down in Orlando, and uh, they have a full plate, and uh, it's a very difficult plate to carry. Yeah, well, thank you for that. We do uh, continue to pray for Bishop Strickland and, and for, you know, those officials who, who took in this information and the deliberations that um, the Vatican will do over this, that there's light and clarity. We uh, continue to pray for that. And when we come back, we will give a salute to American patriots who were Catholic, uh, and we'll be talking with Register Staff Writer Joseph Pronigen. So please stay tuned. This is Register Radio on EWTN. There's more when we return. If you need your news on the go, read the Register online. But if you want to take your time and savor the stories, then subscribe to the National Catholic Register's print edition. And with award-winning Catholic journalism that goes beyond what you'll find from any secular news service, you'll get the real story behind the events that unfold over the course of the year. Try the Register for free today and get it delivered to your home, office, or parish. Join the Catholics who depend on the Register for its faithful and courageous reporting. Get six issues free today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register, and I'm joined by Matthew Bunsen. Catholics who know their American history might recall Charles Carroll as the lone Catholic to sign the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776. But you may be surprised to learn there were many other American patriots who were Catholic. Register staff writer Joseph Pronishan wrote a great piece for the Register this Independence Day called July 4th History, 
a Catholic patriots were unsung heroes of American Revolution. You can find that at ncregister.com. And Joe is with us today. Hi, Joe. Hi, Jeanette. How are you? I'm doing very well. And you relied in your uh, register article on a historian we all know very well, (laughs) Dr. (laughs) Matthew Bunsen. (laughs) So... Dr. Dr. Matthew Bunsen and his mother, Margaret Bunsen, wrote the Encyclopedia of U.S. Catholic History, and in that encyclopedia, there were stories of these unsung Catholic heroes of the American Revolution days, and more, of course. Uh, so I'm going to let you two, uh, Joe, I think you're a self-professed Catholic, uh, a self-professed historian, right, of, of Catholic um, Catholic things in the U.S. <laughs> well, you certainly are right. <laughs> and Matthew, I'm going to let the two of you take this segment. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, uh, first, thank, uh, thank you for the article, and, and thank you for the plug in the article. For the <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> welcome. You're welcome. Come. My <laughs> late mom is smiling somewhere. Oh, good, good. I'll give you a further plug by saying every Catholic should own this if they have any the tiniest bit of interest in history. It's fascinating, that the entire uh, book is. Uh, the things you bring out and the things you'll learn about the Catholics in the United States. Yeah, it's it's a great story, and and uh, even now, after all these years, uh, and there's been a lot of ink uh, spilled on this topic. How few even American Catholics know about the legacy of the and the role of Catholics in founding the country and and the American Revolution in particular. But I have to start with the question. Do you have a particular favorite of this sort of gallery of Catholic stars? Uh, you know, I actually do. Uh, it's Commodore John Barry. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, his story is so fascinating because um, uh, I, I've not been, been a sailor myself, but, but his story, uh, you know, just his physical appearance first. <laughs> he was six feet four inches tall when the average height of guys in those days were five seven, five eight at the most. So he really towered over his uh, uh, his sailors and all, and, and other his uh, fr- uh, friends and his enemies. But uh, at the same time, he was seemed to be an extremely kind uh, man. He, he began each uh, day reading from the Bible for his whole crew, for example. Uh, so he was very much a uh, obviously a practicing Catholic, a good Catholic, you know, just in that. But uh, uh, in addition, he was the first. Um, uh, father, he was called the father of the American Navy, and, and, and he was the first one that uh, Washington put in charge of a, a ship there. Uh, he was uh, uh, the first one to capture a British ship during the Revolution. He was the last one to, to uh, win the, ba- uh, the last battle, uh, sea battle of the American Revolution. And in between, he uh, uh, damaged tremendous damage to the British Navy and uh, captured many, many ships, over over 20. One trip back from uh, France, uh, he captured something like, uh, I believe, nine um, nine ships, nine frigates, uh, British frigates. And, and uh, one time he was um, uh, injured severely uh, by cannon grape shot, and uh, when his second-in-command uh, was, was bobbling all over the place, and it looked like the British were going to win. He went back up on deck, and he not only won the battle, but uh, and I just think this shows some of his Catholic upbringing and his Catholic character, uh, because when he got the, uh, uh, the British uh, admiral at that point to surrender, uh, the British admiral came to him and handed him his sword, and Barry turned around, and he handed the sword back to the British uh, 
uh, Admiral, and he even said to him, you have the use of my cabin uh, until he goes. So he treated his enemies uh, uh, almost in a friendly manner like that, very respectful. Yeah, and we, we tend to think of uh, John Paul Jones as sort of the father of the U.S. Navy, right or wrong. Uh, but really, Barry does hold a really important place uh, in the, the history of the United States. And, and who else uh, jumps to mind immediately? Uh, another one that jumps to mind is uh, never so much known about her, but a woman that uh, was in the Revolutionary War, a, a woman from Philadelphia named Mary uh, Waters. She was uh, uh, Irish-American, as many of these Catholics were, cause, uh, and they tended to gravitate to Philadelphia because there uh, was the only place that uh, in the colonies that uh, w- was not uh, prejudiced toward their uh, religion at that point. So um, uh, she became a tireless worker during the Revolutionary War in the Army's hospitals. Uh, and um, uh, she worked for um, Dr. Benjamin Rush and received all kind of praise and accolades from him. Uh, and he, Rush, as you remember, was one of the founding fathers, uh, assigned her the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. Um, so to hear, you know, to get those kind of accolades from somebody so high and to work for somebody so high in the, uh, uh, in, in the uh, uh, group of people, uh, you know, uh, the important people of the Revolutionary War, uh, was uh, certainly uh, more than a feather in her nurse's cap there. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I don't know if you know anything more about her, but it, it seems to be very sketchy, uh, you know, about many details in her uh, uh, in her work, other than that, you know. Yeah, there, there doesn't seem to be a, an enormous amount of detail about her. I, I wanted to jump, though, to what I think we would all consider to be one of the great families in American Catholic history, and that's the Carrolls. The Carroll family, yes. Uh, and, of course, uh, John Carroll was uh, the uh, uh, the person over there, Charles Carroll, I'm sorry, of Carrollton was the most recognizable name over here because uh, uh, most people generally don't know that or think of him as a sign or a declaration of independence, but he was, and he was the one out of all of them that took the biggest risk financially uh, because he had the most to lose. He was uh, considered the wealthiest man in the colonies at the time, uh, born into a wealthy family in Annapolis, uh, Maryland, was educated in Europe, uh, yet he came back and he fought against the unjust taxes and uh, uh, and and uh, was eventually elected as Maryland's uh, four representatives to the Continental Congress for July 4th. Um, he also um, uh, was uh, uh, irritated some Protestants by being elected to that Congress. But, of course. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as, as expected. You know. uh, but then during the Revolutionary War, he rose to serve on the board of the war. Uh, he, uh, after the War of Independence, he uh, took a seat in, as a um, senator in the first uh, federal Congress, as I recall. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, he was the last survivor of those who signed the Declaration of Independence. Um, now, uh, some of the other carols that uh, uh, appeared at, at that time that are, are related to him was uh, Father John Carroll. Okay, Father John Carroll, he ministered to uh, Catholic colonists, uh, together mm-hmm. with the French and European Catholics, uh, uh, joining that cause uh, of the Revolutionary War. Uh, and um, uh, actually, uh, uh, among them were, uh, you know, Pulaski, I remember that, and the Brigadier General Kosciusko. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Father Carroll was an ardent, ardent um, 
patriot, and he accompanied uh, his cousin Charles and Benjamin Franklin on their trip to secure Canada's um, alliance or neutrality in the struggle for independence. Uh, uh, after uh, the war there, Father Carroll was uh, appointed country's uh, first bishop. Uh, That's right. And he helped, entirely helped the church in America grow. Uh, and uh, he, uh, this is interesting, because he earned the respect of the Protestants. And that was a major stepping stone for Catholics, uh, I think, in the United States. They, they just so admired this, uh, uh, this priest. Uh, and, and he was the first to consecrate the country to our Blessed Mother under the title the Immaculate Conception. That's right. So, so he did so much that we, we sort of forget about over here. Uh, yeah, well, and the, the legacy, especially with uh, John Carroll, of uh, the, the America's first bishop— America's first archbishop, establishing uh, the, the sea in Baltimore. And it's also easy to forget uh, that uh, John Carroll's diocese extended essentially across the whole of the eastern seaboard of the United States, so all of the colonies and all of these t- immense territories, millions of square miles, and he had only a few priests to administer the whole thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so that the work that uh, that entailed while at the same time we had all of this still rampant anti-Catholicism in the colonies, uh-huh. uh, and, and then, of course, in this new country. Uh, so this, the story, I think, that when we think about these American patriots, these Catholic patriots, in some ways, what was the incentive for them to help establish this new country when they had lived under such severe anti-Catholicism for so long? Uh, it, it was it was quite a struggle for them to to do that, and fortunately, they did have that uh, uh, place in Philadelphia uh, where they were able to get a good foothold uh, at first before even places like New York and so on, which were, were was certainly not welcoming to any Catholics. Uh, but uh, uh, it was sort of like uh, um, a, a heaven on earth for a while. If we want, really want to stretch uh, an analogy there for the Catholics in Philadelphia, uh, as they uh, as they grew uh, in their faith, as the Catholics uh, uh, gathered in that country, and uh, uh, they had two of the important churches there I'd written about were St. Mary's, where actually the founding fathers actually came and and attended the mass there, Protestant as they were. Uh, after the um, Revolutionary War, they all attended Mass at St. Mary's. And, and they did. Yeah. Well, Joe, a fantastic uh, story. I'm looking forward to seeing it in the, in print and online. And uh, thank you for this research, especially as we uh, celebrate uh, the independence of this country on July 4th. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to do it. Well, that finishes uh, Register Radio for this week. I'm Matthew Bunsen. On behalf of Jeanette DeMello, uh, remember, for more news, analysis, and commentary, check out the National Catholic Register online at ncregister.com. And uh, for our producer, Jeff Burson, until next week, God bless and take care.